like that. You Hello, everybody. Welcome that. to this it's Friday blast, edition blast, of the Logan blast, Blackman blast, Show. Blast. We made it, ladies and gentlemen, to another another weekend. And this time, it's a little upsetting for a lot of people out there. I'm sure this weekend's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of sad times because Monday was the last college football game, last true college football game, I guess you could say, all the way until freaking August, which is a sad time. When I say the last true college game, because you could count technically count all like the All Star games this offseason. You got like the Senior Bowl. And then you got all the other ones. I can never remember what the names of them are. The Senior Bowl is the main one. The Senior Bowl is the 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 big cojones in regards to like post college pre NFL scouting. Like it is the bowl. Now the uniforms are the worst ones out of the main one, out of the big time bowl games. There, they're these brown, yellow, orange, white. Like they're they're bad. It's like a, it's a, if it's like the Cleveland Browns and the Wyoming Cowboys had a baby, and that's what these uniforms will look like with the big Reese's logos, freaking everywhere. But I'd really, really recommend you watch. I've not seen the rosters yet or what they've announced as the roster so far, but I would recommend you watch it. It's fun, especially with the quarterbacks coming out this year. Last year was a little bit of a an interesting watch for some people out there because last year's quarterback class was not really up to par. And when you look at like the great draft classes of all time, what's the first thing you think of? Well, what quarterbacks were drafted in that draft class? Like, some of the worst draft classes you think of all time are, like, 2013. You look at the first overall pick, a tackle from Central Michigan, who didn't really turn out to be that great in the NFL. It was a fine tackle, fine tackle in Eric Fisher, but nothing spectacular. And then EJ Manuel will be the only first-round quarterback. This year is going to be a little different. Now, or last year's was a little bit different, because we only had, though we had only Kenny Pickett get drafted in the first round, and the next quarterback not get drafted to the third, which was Desmond Ritter to Atlanta, there were some good defenders going in the first round. So we might be looking at this one a little bit differently. Like last year's, we might be looking at it differently than what we do in 2013. But it's 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 a rough one. But the quarterbacks last year, I didn't think were as bad as where they got drafted. Like Carson Strong. I think Carson Strong's a very talented quarterback. He can't he's not the most mobile quarterback out there, but his knees were just made. It was like Jason White all over again. For those of you who don't know who Jason White was, Jason White won the Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma in like 2001. 2000, 2001, sometime around there, but didn't get drafted. He's the second Heisman Trophy winner, I believe, to not get drafted in the NFL. The other one being Charlie Ward because he got drafted in the NBA. Charlie Ward, of course, won the Heisman Trophy at Florida State. Said so, There's a lot of misconstru- mis, uh, misnomers about what Charlie Ward said prior to the draft or what was going on with his draft process, what he was going to be in the NBA or what he was going to be in the NFL. Regardless, him and Jason White get, get drafted and. Carson Strong, though not a Heisman Trophy winner, I did think deserved to get drafted, especially some of the quarterbacks that were drafted above him. Now it is, you know, high, we, we could be a little bit more of a, what do you call it, uh, hindsight. You know, looking back then, hindsight, people would go like, oh, Brock Purdy should have been probably drafted in the first round, given how he's been the most impressive rookie quarterback so far this year. That being said, with Brock Purdy, though, he has had more to work with than the other rookie quarterbacks out there. Look at some of the other rookies. The teams that drafted quarterbacks this year were not teams that had st- stuff in place to set a quarterback up for long-term success. You look at Kenny Pickett with the Steelers. You include, include Chris Olatikin in that one, too, drafted from South Dakota State. I think they drafted him in the seventh round? Sixth or seventh round, Chris Olatikin from South Dakota State went to the Steelers as well. Then you look at Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. Then you got Malik Willis in Tennessee. Now, Malik Willis, sure, but Malik Willis was probably expected to play the least out of all of them. And then you had Matt Corral, who broke his foot in preseason, never played a snap this year, had Liz Frank injury. Then you had Bailey Zappi get drafted in the fourth round of the Patriots. Then you look at Sam Howell in the fifth round. And then 
Okay, Skylar Thompson, but not a lot of people really expecting Skylar Thompson to play this year, and now he's going to start the playoff game against the Buffalo Bills this weekend. And then we got Brock Purdy. I, I don't know if I missed any draft picks in there, but I think Carson Strong is better than some of the quarterbacks that were drafted, but now he's not on a team at all that I'm aware of. But uh, yeah, he got put in a tough situation in Philly. He was partnered up with Jalen Hurts, Gardner Minshew, the greatest high school quarterback of all time, and then he was there with a bad knee, and it was just, it just wasn't great. It just wasn't great. That was one of the surprises of the draft, though. But this year, I don't really think we're going to have a lot of, well, I, well, we might have a surprise at the top of the draft in regards to which quarterback is taken, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, this is the latest we've done this in a little bit, but make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Tell you're listening to this right now. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan, with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search the Logan Blackman Show. Should pop up and subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and follow the Facebook page. And then again, you're listening to it right now. If you're not already or you don't know if you are, make sure you check and follow the or subscribe the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts. Leave a rating out of five stars on both. Can leave a one-star rating, a five-star rating. Don't care just as long as you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. It could be good, bad, ugly. Do not care. Do not care. And with that, <laughs> so... You want to talk about ugly. So we bring out ugly. So on Tuesday, we kind of brought this up on Monday show. Tuesday night, I went to go play basketball. Or no, we brought it up on Wednesday show because I recorded it before we played basketball. But I went to go play basketball with Jared, who's one of my one of my friends, roommates from you and I. He's going to be on the show at some point. Don't know exactly when, but he's wanting to do a show. He was going to be on with Brady. At least that was what I was kind of planning on. But he wants to do his own show, and I respect that. I respect his wishes. So we went to go play basketball. And the first time I went to go play basketball this year was a couple weeks ago. And that time was, like, the first time I played basketball in months. Like, I don't think, maybe years, maybe years, because I don't really think I've played basketball since I left UNI, and I graduated from UNI in 2020, December of 2020. It's been that long since I have, let alone played basketball, the last time I picked up a basketball was probably around that time. Maybe I did something that, like, shields to, like, show my friends off, like, hey, guys, look, palm a basketball and hold it up to them and try to do something like that. Maybe I did that. Maybe if you want to classify that as, picking up a basketball because I did, but I was brutal. That two weeks ago, that was ugly. That'd be like a description down below if you did not like the show, that you'd leave a description like that, ugly. I touched the ball on the first possession of the game. I have never felt so uncoordinated in my entire life. I'm someone that prides myself on being at least somewhat athletic, but you would not have known that watching me that day. Now, Tuesday, this past Tuesday, a couple days ago Tuesday, the day after the National Championship game Tuesday, I was sitting there, and I was like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit better today. Like, the first time I didn't have basketball shoes, I just wore some crappy tennis shoes. This time around, I had my D-Roses on from, like, middle school. The, the second pair of shoes I ever bought was gray D-Roses. Like, around his, it wasn't the shoes he wore when he was MVP, but it was around that time when he was on the Bulls. Gray D-Roses. Got him at Foot Locker. Not Foot Locker. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Foot Locker at, uh, at, Georgia, at Valley West Mall, which I don't even know if it's, if it's there anymore because everything's slowly getting out of Valley West Mall. But I got them there, and I rocked them for this game, and I had tights on. I, like, I, had the, I, I just looked the part. I looked more the part this time around than I did last time. And this next coming week, Jared wants me to rock my North Carolina shorts with my Michael Jordan basketball jersey so, and then suck at basketball and then be like, wow. This was a misnomer. People would probably look at me and go, man, that guy's probably a stud. Look at him wearing those shorts and that jersey. He's probably sick as hell at basketball. Actually, no. No, I'm not. But this time around, I did play a lot better. I did play a lot better. I said I'd fill you guys in on how we did 
on, on when we did the show on Tuesday or Wednesday that I would fill you in for today. And I'm not sore. I'm not sore. I wasn't as phlegmy as I was last time. Because you know when you run around for the first time in a very long time or do something physical for the first time in a long time, you get like all that, the mucus in your chest starts to loosen up and it's like, you get all, like you get all like the, the nasty, like hock loogies everywhere and stuff like that. Like I wasn't feeling that this time around. I, I was feeling actually pretty good. I, I wasn't too tired. We played more games this time than we did last time. And I locked Jared's ass down. That first game locked him down. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't say that. I, he was missing some shots. It wasn't even like I was playing. I wasn't playing bad. I'm a pretty good defender because I'm faster than most people that I played basketball with. I'm faster and a little bit better of a passer than some of the people out there. I can't shoot for shit, though. I cannot shoot. I did make a couple threes in this game, which is very impressive that I made some threes, but it was not anything that I was like, ooh, I'm feeling myself right now. I felt that way one time my entire life, and it was actually the last time I wore the North Carolina shorts with the Michael Jordan jersey. We were playing with people like but you and I that I'd never seen before, so when they see me rocking up at this and start cashing threes left, right, and center, they actually thought I was good. Like, I had never once in my life been told or heard a defender say, hey, make sure you stay tight on this guy. I've never heard that in my entire life except for one time, and it was that time. And I never played basketball with them again. So in their minds, I am this elite basketball prodigy that was like an Uncle Drew type thing. Remember Kyrie Irving did that thing back in the day with the Pepsi commercial and Kevin Love did it too? Like, I was like Uncle Drew. Like, I was a U and I basketball player. It was A.J. Green just, like, going around with regular people and schooling people in basketball, but looking like... Oh, he's probably not very good. Cash. Splash, 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 splash. But, man, basketball is fun. Basketball is fun. It's just it's tiring, especially when you haven't done it in a while. But I did play better this week, and I expect to play a little bit better next week as well. So we'll see how that one turns around. Jared messaged me yesterday and said his legs were hurt, and I was like, man, not hurting at all. I'm feeling pretty good. I wasn't feeling, like, really good, but my legs weren't hurting, which I'm actually pretty surprised about. Maybe it was the shoes. I'd be like, like, make me like Mike. I need to rock some Jordans. It'd be like, be a little Bow Wow or just Bow Wow at this point now. Be like Calvin Cambridge. Make me like Mike and ball out and dunk on people. That's what I want. There was a dude that played with us. It's probably about 60 years old, maybe late 50s, early 60s. Like he, he was getting into it. He was getting into it. And I had the, 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 I guess you could say, I don't really want to call it the, the pleasure of being on his team, because I really didn't like being on his team, because he <laughs> looked around with a bunch of people that are not very good at basketball, and was taking it very seriously, like, getting, like, every time someone missed a shot, Ugh! you can just hear his voice, like, dude, chill the hell out, man. <laughs> Go play with your rec league at the Y. This is some middle school or elementary school down over in the West Des Moines area. Don't, don't try to act like, oh, man, you guys suck. And then he quit or stopped playing after a little bit. He sat down and watched the last game that we played. He was like a scout or something. I don't know. Maybe he is a scout. Maybe he's some big-time scout that just wants school kids. Maybe he was the Uncle Drew of the situation. Maybe he was someone else that I didn't know. Maybe some big-time basketball player we didn't know. But it was fun. It, it was really fun. Played a few games. And one of the guys we were playing with is big dude. Big, big dude. He came up to Jared. Uh, like in between, so we finished. Jared just played three games where I played two because I didn't make a free throw to make it in the first game. So Jared, he walked up to Jared and he was basically like, "Dude, you're you play threes in high school at all? You play threes in high school?" 
Which, I don't know if that's insulting or a compliment, because you would just assume that you're like, man, did you play in high school, not threes? Like, Jared play high school basketball? And Jared was like, no, I, didn't. I actually never played. He did play, like, middle school, but that, you know, he didn't play in high school. But he got a lot better as we went on, which is kind of funny how that worked out. How he's better now than he probably was back then, because weirdly enough, I know, this might shock you, I was on a decently high team at the point in time, and I suck at basketball. I have never once been good at basketball, but Jared is a lot better at basketball than me now. But I was sitting there with him after the dude left, and I was like, oh, Mr. Big Time. Mr. Big Time over here, did you play threes? Nah, I actually never played before. You're one of those guys now. Then I told him, I was like, I want someone to come up to me and go like, dude, have you ever picked up basketball before? <laughs> you can't dribble for shit. Which I can. I could bounce basketball up and down. I can I can run towards the rim. I can play defense. I can pass. But man, you ask me, you give me a wide open shot, I get skeptical. I, I need someone to be in my face so I can at least go, hey, he was playing tough defense on me. I wasn't wide ass open. I don't I can't I don't want that. I don't want that. And I remember at William Penn, uh there was a rule that we had for fo- I don't know if it was for all sports, but for football specifically, there was a rule where if you got hurt playing another sport outside of football, you got your scholarship taken away. And to my knowledge, only one person did, and that was for because he got caught. Let's just put it like this. He hurt his shoulder and then got caught LARPing outside the coach's offices. Because we had our, the, the pack at Penn has about 30 yards, 40 yards worth of turf inside, and they're right next to the coach's office. And that's like all the coach's offices. And that's where the LARPers were. Live action role play for those of you unaware. His name is Barty. And that was one of the weirdest circumstances I've ever seen in my entire life. He was hurt and got caught LARPing. As a college football player. I'm not saying LARPing. You can't LARP if you're a college football player, but you can't LARP when you're hurt and extending your injury period so you can LARP. That's not that's not how that works. But one time at Penn, my friend Brett and I, Brett was my roommate, or one of my roommates at William Penn, and we were going to shoot the basketball around. It was the off season, so we were like, oh, we're probably fine just shooting a ball. We're not we're not playing. We're not going around and like go, hey, fives, let's get a let's get a group like the old 2K commercials. Like, oh, who got next? I got next. Like one of those situations. Like Brett and I were just shooting a ball around and Coach Hina, who was our slot coach at the time, he came up to us and say, Hey, you guys should probably put the basketball away. Like that <laughs> that cheery, like, hey, you should not be doing that right now. It was one of those situations. So Brett and I were like, we shot one ball and put the ball away. So like I didn't even have practice at William Penn. I quit playing basketball in eighth grade, after my eighth grade year, because the coach at the time said, if you're in this gym, you're probably never going to play varsity. So I was like, oh, okay, that settled it. Then I don't have the commitment for basketball at this point. I'm not that like dedicated to basketball to getting better at it. So I really don't care. So I'm cool with not playing anymore. It was like a good conditioning thing, but I was not very good. I could steal the ball and was fat. Like I said, I could steal and was fat. And they recommended not shooting because everything back then was worth one point. So there wasn't even time for you to shoot. So I didn't even get to practice my mid-range jumpers or my three-point jumpers or things like that. But I quit after that year and then didn't play at William Penn. I guess we played some, like, intramural ball every once in a while at high school. We had the Oakmore Oaks, which is a church league team that we had. Not very good there either. Had a bunch of different players sit in and out. And, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm just not very good at basketball. Apart from that one day about you and I. So those people who don't know my name but can tell stories about the dude that smoked them with the Jordan jersey and the North Carolina shorts. That's the guy they're going to be talking about to their kids. 
It's like I can't. It was like a. It's like a white flash. It just can't remember. It just happened all so fast. It was like, oh, the game just started, and all of a sudden we're down thirty nothing. It's ridiculous. So I don't. I don't know. It was just a crazy, crazy time. Went fifteen and fifteen from the field, thirty points, all within a blink of an eye. And I had they switched players on me. I never had that happen before. It's one time. You wouldn't know that watching me, or you would probably won't even believe me. But there are people that, I like, I have friends that were there. We were just picked up this game and these random people, but my friends were there too, and they were on my team. So they were there. It was Andrew. It was Steven. I believe Spencer was there, and Jared might have been there. Like it was the greatest basketball game I've ever played in my entire life. Greatest game I've ever played. Now. We've already talked about some game that was not the greatest game ever played, and that was the College Football Championship game on Monday, which I always find this interesting. I, I don't really understand the reason why for this, but why the National Championship played, uh, is played on a Monday night. Does anybody know the reasoning behind that? Because I sure as hell don't. Maybe it's to try and, they can't compete with the, the final weekend of the NFL regular season or something, but that hasn't always been the case because the NFL just extended their season to 18, seven, 18 weeks last year. So I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. College football is made to be watched on Saturday. Saturdays are for college football. Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays are for the NFL. So I don't, I don't know. And that's been how, how long it's been since I can remember. I don't remember a national championship game that wasn't played on a Monday. All the semifinal games are played on Saturdays. Like, why is the championship game played on a Monday? It's weird. It's really weird. And I, I don't understand it. But with that national championship game coming to an end and how lopsided it was, there's something interesting that I saw uh, yesterday, actually, and I it caught my eye. It caught my eye, and I've, I've brought up this Twitter account before. It was NFL Rookie Watch, and if you haven't followed it on Twitter, I would recommend it because it'll give you all your NFL draft stuff. It gives you little tidbits from scouts and stuff like that. It's a very good Twitter account. And this is what they tweeted uh, yesterday at 4.49 in the afternoon. Several NFL scouts reportedly believe if Stetson Bennett was six foot three or taller, he would have he would have, quote, a chance at going first overall in the draft. George QB stands at 5'11 and is currently projected to be a late-round selection. Do I agree with that? Possibly. Possibly. Like, I think Stetson Bennett in his time at Georgia has cemented himself as a very good college quarterback. I don't think he does anything particularly special, but I think he's got an all-right arm. I think he's decently athletic, but he's not very big. And I, that maybe that's the overarching theme here that I'm just like, he's, he's very small, but Bryce Young's small. And Bryce Young's 10 times the quarterback Stetson Bennett is. So if, if he's has a chance to go first overall, if he's 6'3", look, Bryce Young, bet the house on Bryce Young going first overall, whoever has the first overall pick. Like, we've talked about this before. If Bryce Young was two inches taller, so he's listed at five ele- at six foot, bullshit. He's about 5'10", maybe 5'9 and a half. If you put him up to six foot, there's no doubt he's the first overall pick in the draft. Like, Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young are the same size, pretty much. Stetson Bennett's a little bit taller than Bryce Young. I don't know if you've seen the the clips of those two shaking hands after the SEC Championship game and the National Championship game last year. But Stetson Bennett is a tad taller than Bryce Young. But Bryce Young's a guaranteed top three pick. Stetson Bennett is maybe, at best, a fourth late fourth-round pick. Like, if I had to guess where Stetson Bennett goes in the draft, I know we kind of touched on this on Wednesday's show, Stetson Bennett, I could see a reality where he goes in the fourth round. I could see a reality where he goes in the fourth round. Do I think he should go in the fourth round? 
I don't think so. I don't think so. But you look at some of the other older quarterbacks that have gone through the NFL draft process in college football history, like Chris Winkie was a fourth-round draft pick, I believe. Chris Winkie might have been a fifth-rounder, but around that draft area. And Brandon Wheaton, obviously a first-round draft pick, but he was six foot six, two 240 pounds. But different different kettle fish in that one. But And they're both older than Stetson Bennett is right now. At the time. And obviously, they're older than him now. But <laughs> at the time, they were older than and they got drafted. I think they were both 28. With Chris, Chris Winkie winning the friggin' Heisman is ridiculous. How was that allowed? No one talks about that. Why was Chris Winkie allowed to win the Heisman at 28, 29 years old? Why, why is that a thing that was allowed to happen back then? I don't think I hear, I don't hear a lot of people discussing that. Dude was 29 years old and played at 19-year-old Michael Vick in the national championship game, and we're giving the Heisman Trophy to the guy that's 10 years older? What? <laughs> like, literally, he was 10 years older than Michael Vick when he won the Heisman Trophy. I think Vick came second. I think. I don't know where Vic came. I know Vic was a Heisman finalist, but I don't know exactly where he came. But Winky winning the Heisman 28-29 is weird. That is weird. Like, you know how much hate Stetson Bennett would have gotten if he was if he won the Heisman this year? Craziness. Like, if I was a GM drafting Stetson Bennett, I would lean to – like, if I had to place money on a round where I thought he would get drafted, I think the most logical spot is sixth round. Is sixth round. Because you look at some of the other quarterbacks that – are going to get drafted. There's three uh, three to four guaranteed first-round draft picks. I think Anthony Richardson should be a first-round draft pick. I think Anthony Richardson should be a top-ten pick. But it's going to be interesting to see how this thing all folds out when the trades all take place and everything like that. Like, who trades up? Who ends up drafting quarterback? Who doesn't? So it's a it's a weird thing that we've got going on here with that ten with that top-ten pick. And Anthony Richardson could go in the first round. He could go somewhere like... Seattle with their second pick. He could go to Tampa. He could go to Washington. The Giants, no, the Giants are probably going to extend Daniel Jones. Love to see. I've seen some weird draft that had Tanner McKee going to the Vikings, which Tanner McKee, people bitch about Will Levis being a first-round draft pick. Tanner McKee was in a very similar-ish situation to what Will Levis was. The only issue is, the only difference between the two is McKee's not mobile. McKee is six foot six, two hundred thirty three, under two hundred thirty five pounds, somewhere around there, two forty maybe. Levis about six three, six four, two hundred thirty pounds, two hundred forty pounds, and Levis can move. Tanner McKee can't. Now Tanner McKee's situation at Stanford was worse than Levis is at Kentucky, but arm talent they're about the same. I you might want to give the edge to Tanner McKee, but I don't even think it's that big of an edge to where. No one's batting an eye at that. I have not seen anybody complain about Tanner McKee being mentioned in the first round, but Levis is. Now, there's different circumstances here. People are talking about Levis going first rather than Tanner McKee going possibly where the Vikings pick right now, I think 28th. Like, this is a little bit different situation we've got, a different little kettle of fish. I think McKee, I could see the Raiders drafting him in the second round. I could see him being a – now, I I don't think he's a first-rounder. I got, I got to clarify this. I don't think he's a first-rounder. I would draft McKee somewhere in the late second, early third. I think he falls in that category because he's kind of got a similar-ish skill set. I think he's a little bit more talented, but a similar-ish skill set to Kyle Trask. And Kyle Trask, back in the 2021 NFL draft, was taken the last pick of the second round by Tampa. And who the hell knows if he's ever going to play in Tampa. I I have no idea what's going on with that situation. Well, time will tell on that because Brady's not coming back. So we'll have to see if he, if he gets a starting job or Gabbard or they go draft someone or sign someone in for agency. I have no idea. But I think that's where Tanner McKee would probably fall. And Jaron Hall, I think somewhere in the same realm. Like, I don't think there – I think there will be there should be four quarterbacks taken in the first round. 
And then you're going to have the conversation about where Hendon Hooker goes. Because Hooker obviously tore his ACL against South Carolina this year. And Hendon Hooker's on the older side as well. So there's another situation where you got to go in here. Like, would you draft Tanner McKee over Hendon Hooker? That's another situation. Where does Jaron Hall fall in this situation? Then you've got other quarterbacks in this draft that will probably go on day three. I don't think... So I think four could go day one. I think three could go day two. And those three are Hall, McKee, and Hooker. And I don't really care what order you put them in. But I think those two, those three go in day three. Or day two, sorry. Second and third round. And then day four... So that's seven quarterbacks already off the board in the first two days of the draft, which is completely different than what we had this past year. So in day three, you're looking at like Cameron Ward from Washington State's possibly a day three pick. Then you've got Clayton Toon from Houston is another day three possibility. You've got who else? Are we got? Jake Hayner, day three guy from Fresno State. I know a lot of people out there were kind of like Jake Hayner. He's just a little small. Then you've got who else do we who who I'm missing here? I should probably pull up the draft list. Hold on, restart. I gotta, cause I've got my my NFL draft thing, and I've got to remember all the quarterbacks thing, all the quarterbacks that I can that I think will get drafted, or have a possibility of getting drafted. Duggan, completely forgot about Max Duggan. That will be an interesting one to see where he goes. Tyson Baggett from uh, Shepherd is an interesting tr- prospect as well. It's a smaller school guy. Uh, Aiden O'Connell. I think a lot of people are. I've heard people like him. Will Rogers. From Mississippi State's going to be an option there. Doreen Thompson-Robinson's an interesting one. But, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Like, Millie Cunningham might be mentioned up there. I don't know if he's coming back or not to Louisville or not, but that's an, that's where we got the interesting situation here. Where would you draft Bennett? I would go sixth or seventh round. Like, I wouldn't personally go an early pick with him. I don't think any quarterback will probably get drafted before this fifth round after day two. If I had to guess. I could be completely wrong about that. Now, there could be one of the quarterbacks we mentioned going day two with Hall, Hooker, and McKee that slip into day two or day three because Sam Howell slipped into day three, and that surprised me. Sam Howell got drafted in the fifth round after Bailey Zappi. That surprised me because I think Sam Howell is, like before the season started, Sam Howell was a top quarterback in the draft class. And though Sam Howell didn't put up the numbers everybody was expecting in regards to the passing game, his rushing numbers were really good. You saw all the people he lost, and what he Lost in the pass game, he made up for the running game. Him and Ty Chandler balled out last year. At least I think it was Ty. Ty Ty Chandler was the running back last year, right? Number 19? I can't remember. I believe that's right. So who knows? Like, this year's draft class proved anything. Like, I didn't think Willis or Ritter or Corral would fall to the third round. I thought they would all be scooped up late first or in the second round. And then this year, you're going to look at some guys like McKee, Hooker, Hall, guys that are talented enough to sneak in around one, but won't. I don't think any of those guys are going first round. But you're looking at the possibility of day two, second or third round, don't know exactly where. And maybe someone like Hall slips into day three and goes fourth round. But then after that, you're looking a few more rounds after that. So I don't really think there's going to be a rush of quarterbacks. I think the rush of quarterbacks will happen early. And then it's going to be similar to what we saw in 2020, or 2021, sorry. Because you look at the first round of the draft of that year, you had five quarterbacks in the first round. You had Lawrence, Wilson, Lance go the first three picks, then Fields went 11th, and then Mac Jones went 15th. And then the second and third round, you had three quarterbacks go back-to-back-to-back. I don't remember what the exact order was, but it was Trask, Kellen Mond, and Davis Mills. Those were the three that went back-to-back-to-back. 
I don't remember what pick. I know Trask was the last pick of the first round, and then I think it was Mond and then Mills. I think. I'm not confident saying that, but I think that's what happened. We might have a similar situation here. And I don't know who the other quarterbacks were drafted after that spot, but I remember those specific picks. I think that's what we're going to happen here. So if I had to guess after, like, a Hall. Let's say Hall's the last quarterback take because I think a lot of people really like Tanner McKee, especially after the combine. I don't think he'll. I don't. If I'm Tanner McKee, I don't run the forty. I don't think Tanner McKee should run the forty because I think we might be pushing a four nine territory, maybe four eight territory. So I wouldn't run the forty if I was him, especially when you look at the other quarterbacks in this class who could all move to a certain amount. Like every quarterback that has a possibility of getting drafted this year can move, apart from like Aiden O'Connell who can't really move. But every other quarterback, you look at all the besides the top guys, like the guys who are going to be around McKee. Hooker, Hall, Toon, Hayner, Ward, Duggan, Bennett. Uh, I don't really know about Baggant. I need to watch him a little bit more. But Dorian Thompson-Robinson can move as well. So, like, all those other quarterbacks we mentioned can move to a certain degree. Hayner's not, like, the most fleet-footed, but he can move. So I wouldn't even bother with the 40 if I'm Tanner McKee. He looks super awkward when he runs. I, would not, I wouldn't really recommend watching Tanner McKee rushing highlights. But he can throw the ball. He can throw the absolute piss out of a football. He can place it perfectly. He's got really good touch on a deep ball. Those are really nice deep ball. I think him and Hooker throw two of the best deep balls in college football. And ironically, they're going to be drafted day two. <laughs> I think there's other factors with Hooker as well. I think the type of offense they ran down in Tennessee uh, would scare some people away with how fast-paced they run. We've talked about this before, how fast Tennessee's offense works. It's just, it doesn't translate. I know that's something that's kind of dying off with draft prospects about offenses don't translate because now in the NFL with all these younger coaches, we're starting to see more college-esque offenses. Like you look at all these younger coaches like McVay, like uh, Kingsbury. You've got uh, Harbaugh and what they're doing over in Baltimore. Running more college-esque offenses. I know Kingsbury's no longer a coach, and McVay might not be a coach next year, so who the hell knows what's going on there? Because he doesn't want to deal with the <laughs> – with... he doesn't want to deal with the rebuild of the Rams. Well, that's... You're responsible for that. You said F them picks. You wanted one Super Bowl, and now you're going to rebuild again. Now some people will probably be fine with that. F them picks, you won a Super Bowl. That was what the main the main goal in sports is to win championships. You won one. But as a fan, how do you feel about that? Because it's kind of a situation I find myself in as a Blackhawks fan. Like, you won three Stanley Cups, but now you're... Like, there's no way they're going to get the first overall pick. They're bad, like the worst team in hockey. But there's no way. With all the stuff that went on last offseason, or last season, there ain't no way they're going to award that. Like, Arizona... They're getting a new arena. I stole, I'm stealing this from Spitting Chicklets, so <laughs> I would just like to preface that. They're getting a new arena. They've never had a first overall draft pick. They should have had it with Austin Matthews. He's an Arizona kid. So they didn't, and they ended up getting Dylan Strom instead, who's now in Washington. He got traded from the, the Coyotes to the Blackhawks for exchange for Nick Schmaltz, and then got he left in free agency to Washington, I believe, if I remember correctly, with the Washington move. So there's another Strom. I don't remember which, which where the Stroms are, but Connor Bedard is McDavid-esque, Crosby-esque in regards to talent, so... It's going to suck seeing him go to Arizona, but I can't say that I'm surprised or that I think, oh, man, the Blackhawks are such a well-run organization. Well, that sucks. Or the whole Cubs situation. They won one World Series, and you get that one, you get that taste, like, oh, I want more. We could win more. And then you don't, and then it makes it upsetting, especially when it's this quick. Like the Cubs at least were somewhat competitive after they won the World Series. I mean, until they met the Dodgers in the playoffs and they get swept every year. But the Rams weren't even competitive this year. Like, you can say they were a bad team or everything, but I've never seen a Super Bowl hangover hit this hard. It is the hard with, with how much they didn't lose. 
They brought everybody back, essentially. They lost Whitworth. He retired this offseason. But Stafford's coming back. You brought in Allen Robinson. Cooper Cubs coming off a triple crown season. You got Aaron Donald to to stay around for another year. And now they're picking, should be picking with what? The third overall pick? Fifth overall pick right now? No. No, 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 no. Sixth overall pick. Sixth overall pick, sorry. Lions have the Rams pick. Seahawks have the Broncos pick. But yeah. So I don't know. This whole Stetson Bennett situation, back to the original point, the Stetson Bennett thing, I would I don't think he'd be a, a first overall pick. Because even if he was six three, I don't think he's as talented as as a uh, Bryce Young. I don't think he's as talented as Will Levis. And if you're gonna put him six three, Will Levis is around six three. So you're gonna have that conversation too. Is he more talented than Will Levis? I don't think so. I don't think he's more talented than Anthony Richardson. So even if he's if he is six three, I think we're stinking him in second round, third round maybe. Like he's he's uh, like Hendon Hooker is a tall old dude. Hendon Hooker's twenty five or going to be twenty five or something. Stetson Bennett is twenty five now. If we made Stetson Bennett six three, you'd have to compare him to Hendon Hooker, and he's not more talented than Hendon Hooker. He's not better than Hendon Hooker right now. So if you grew him up five, four or five inches, he's still not better than Hendon Hooker. He's just taller. He won. Which people appreciate, but so did AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron was a second round pick. So I don't know. I think him and Hooker would be very similar in regards to if Bennett was six foot three. I think that's where we'd be seeing Stetson Bennett. I don't think he would be first overall pick. I don't really think he'd be a first round draft pick. That's why it says would have a quote chance at going first overall. Like Tanner McKee technically has a chance at going first overall for one to be technical. Everybody has a chance until the first pick's off the board. Now, the chance might not be very good, but it could happen. And then the everybody's going around again, and I, I keep seeing these because it's going to be funny when these things keep popping up around the <laughs> around the Chicago Bears. This was today. This was this morning. I saw this morning. Chicago Bears GM Ryan Poles has reportedly not ruled out the possibility of drafting QB with the first overall pick. Pulse, however, went on to say that he would have to be, quote, absolutely blown away to think QB first overall. Yeah. Yeah, and would you look at any of the QBs now and go, they would be an immediate upgrade over Justin Fields? Justin Fields already has skin in the game, so I would stick with Fields. I've already made my allegiances clear about what I would do if I'm the Chicago Bears. I'd trade back with the Colts, have them take Young or Levis or Stroud or whoever, Richardson maybe, and then stick with Fields, draft a D-lineman or D-edge rusher, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, one of those two. You're going to get one of them. I, I don't really care which one, and the Bears, you can't really lose in that situation. Both people would help the Bears out tremendously. So that's what I would do. I'm, I'm tired. Of, I don't. It's going to happen all offseason. It's going to happen all offseason. About people linking away the Bears from trading on Justin Fields or moving on from him or wherever. And the thing that I always think about when you hear these situations is the Josh Rosen thing. But Fields is so much better than Josh Rosen when they traded him. Fields is so much better than Josh Rosen. Fields is second all time for his rushing yards in a single season by a quarterback in NFL history. His passing game is inconsistent as hell. And I don't like doing this, but I hate doing this. I absolutely hate doing this because I bitch about it all the freaking time. Josh Allen was not an elite passer when he first got in the NFL. Josh Allen this past weekend against the New England Patriots threw one of the greatest throws of all time to Stephon Diggs. Watch that play over and over again. Like, Josh Allen was doing similar-ish stuff to that his rookie year. Look at his throw to Robert Foster against the Jaguars. I was there for that game. It's one. It's the best throw I've ever seen live in person. Next to uh, 
Josh's throw to Dawson Knox in Kansas City and his throw to Cole Beasley in Dallas. Those are the top three throws I've seen Josh Allen make live. But it wasn't consistent at that point. Now it's consistent. You got to coach that into Fields. And I think Fields is dedicated enough to where that won't be hard to coach that into him. I think Fields is a very serious dude. I think he's a hard worker. I would love to, like, Fields is the type of guy you want to build your franchise around. So I would not, if I'm the Bears, take, though I love Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young, in time, will be better than Justin Fields. I would keep Justin Fields if I'm the Bears. And try to build your other spots of the roster, because Justin Fields has played well in this time so far this season. Josh Rosen was never considered a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. Justin Fields already is. I don't know if he, well, top 20. I'll say top 20. But, I don't know. It's going to be tough. I, I would keep Fields, though. I would show faith in Fields. I know he's not your guy. I know Poles and Eberflus were not around when Fields got drafted. So you might want to draft your guy, but I would not. I would I would give the, I would have the Colts give you a bounty to move up to number one, or the Panthers. I could really see the Panthers moving up to number one, but if I'm the Bears, I want to stay in top five, or at least top six. So if I'm the Panthers and I want the number one overall pick, you'd have to get – if I'm the so hypothetical situation, I'm the Bears, I uh, and and the Panthers at the same time. <laughs> I want the number one overall pick as David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers. I want to draft Will Levis because that's apparently who David Tepper really likes. If I'm the Bears, I tell David Tepper that hey, we're not trading back to nine. We're not trading to nine. We want a chance if we're not getting Carter or Anderson. We want a chance to get Miles Murphy from Clemson, or Tyree Wilson from uh, Texas Tech, and that's not really a possibility going all the way back to nine. It could happen, but the chance of that happening aren't great. So if I'm the Bears, I tell the Panthers, hey, call up Brad Holmes, the the Detroit Lions, try to trade up to six. We'll trade back to six. We're not trading back to nine. We'll trade up to six. Trade back to six. That's as far as we'll go. Maybe you can try and convince the Seahawks to trade the fifth overall pick, but I think the Seahawks were kind of in a similar situation where they'd like one of the edge rushers as well. But maybe Seattle, you can convince them a little bit, and maybe they draft a corner at nine. You'll like Christian Gonzalez or Joey Porter Jr. or Keely Ringo. You draft one of those guys at nine, and Panthers trap to five and trap to one, and then you got a situation there as well. So we'll have to see. If I'm if the Panthers want the number one overall pick, and I'm not convinced they do, if the Panthers want the number one overall pick, they're going to have to trap twice. Because the Bears, for what they want or the players that are available at that top spot, I would need a lot to trade back. You look at the position of need of the Bears, maybe, maybe you know what, maybe the Bears do want to trade back to nine, they can get one of the tackles. Maybe Broderick Jones or Peter Skaronsky's there, and they want to take one of them at nine. Maybe that's what they want. And you get more of a bounty from Carolina moving up from nine to one than you would from the Colts from four to one. So maybe you got to think about it like that. But again, the Bears, stick with Fields. Stick with Justin. Hey, maybe they want to draft a receiver. Maybe they want to draft a receiver, and apparently right now, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State is the number one guy for a lot of people out there. For a lot of people out there, I don't know. I think Justin, if Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't get hurt, I don't even think we'd be having a conversation about who the best receiver would be. I think we'd really all be sitting here going, yeah, JSN's going to get him first overall in regards to the wide receiver. Not first overall in the draft, but be the first wide receiver off the board fairly easily. His ability to work inside and out. I know he runs a lot, and I mean a lot of his things from the slot, but you look at Justin Jefferson, people said that he was nothing more than a slot when he got drafted, and look at him. I don't think that's really going to be much of an issue. But with him getting injured, especially his hamstring, 
that's a big question mark. So, like, Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison have been pushed up there, and I wouldn't really be surprised if Jalen Hyatt got pushed up there. At some point, I think Jalen Hyatt's going to be mentioned up there as one of the top receivers in the draft, and especially at the Combine. I bet that dude blazes the 40. Maybe he doesn't run the 40, but I think with um, – I didn't notice this or know this until Tuesday that Quentin Johnston, when covered by Keely Ringo, was not targeted one time. That's kind of worrisome. I think Quentin Johnston, in regards to being a physical specimen, is second to none in this draft. Six foot three, 220, 230 pounds. Look at his 76-yard touchdown against Michigan. That's the physical attributes you see there. But when you're playing the top corners and you can't create separation because you want to be on the best on the best. Quentin Johnston, top receiver in the draft. Keely Ringo, one of the top corners in the draft. You need to be able to create separation against them. You might not win every battle, but you need to win at least something. So that might that's a little worrisome for me. I, I'm not saying that's going to how it is for everybody, but I, I, that's kind of worrisome for me. So we'll have to wait and see. And apparently DeAndre Hopkins is sticking on receivers, is wanting out of Arizona. Apparently the Cardinals are also wanting out as well. And the Bears currently sit on top of the NFL with cap space, with $118 million in cap space. So we'll see. Again, if I'm the if I'm the Bears, I I don't know. I would just look to add things in free agency. I don't want to lose picks. I would like to keep hold of the picks, especially with Ryan Poles and how he's been doing things. I'd want to keep hold of picks. So I wouldn't be going out trying to trade for a top weapon. I'd go out and look for signs somebody. I don't know who's who's all available. Free agent wide receivers. 2023. Who's the top available guy? Oh, okay. Never mind. It's not that great. <laughs> Aguilar is currently the most expensive one at $11 million. And then you've got Sterling Shepard, DJ Chark, Randall Cobb, Marvin Jones, Julio, Byron Pringle, Alan Lazard. I could see that one working out in Chicago. Jacoby Myers, uh, Juju, AJ Green, Jarvis Landry, Matthew Slater, special teams guy. I don't even know if he'd stick around. He might just retire. Nikhil Harry's a free agent, apparently. Uh, Jamison Crowder, Sammy Watkins, Andre Roberts, who's just a returner, Keelan Cole, Rashad Perriman, Marquise Goodwin, who I kind of forget's in the NFL still, uh, Paris Campbell, Noah Brown's had a pretty decent year for Dallas this year. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's not great. It's not great, but there is, again, I know we've kind of talked about this in the past, the receiver class is not anything amazing, but you need that second-round pick. You need a second-round pick. Like, the Bears do not have a second-round pick because they traded that second-round second pick to the Steelers for Chase Claypool, who, again, I think had 140 yards receiving in his time in Chicago. Wasted second-round second pick. So I would get a bounty from the Colts or Panthers and then try to build your team in the draft. Because you look at what the Cowboys did. I know it's a different time, but the Cowboys and the Herschel Walker trade, they got the players in from Minnesota and cut them and got draft picks out of it. And they used their team, their draft picks, to build their roster to win three Super Bowls. Even though Barry Switzer says, he did it our way. We did it our way, Jerry. We did it. No, he did it Jimmy's way. <laughs> he stole Jimmy's players and won Super Bowl. Which is fair. Which is fair. Which is fair. But, um, yeah. <laughs> it's always interesting to hear of, uh, how that one all works out. But, yeah, the draft's always an interesting time. And this is going to be a... Uh, it's something that's going to get talked about a lot. Potential 2024 QB draft class. Which one will be better in the long run between this year's class and this next year's class? 
This year's class, you can look at the top three guys. The top three guys in the draft, according to a lot of people out there, is Young, Stroud, Levis. I think Richardson has some skin in the game there as well. So let's do top five. Young, Stroud, Levis, Richardson, Hooker. Maybe McKee sneaks in there because Hooker's injury. I don't know, but I that would be my top five. Then you look at next year's quarterback draft class. You look at the top five in that draft class, and I'll reveal to you my top five for this draft class because there's going to be a lot of different people mentioned in here. So you got like Caleb Williams, Drake May, Shadura Sanders, Spencer Rattler, Quinn Ewers, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. Who else do we got here? Tyler Van Dyke, KJ Jefferson, Michael Pratt from Tulane. Uh, Cam Rising, DJ Uayagalele, Sam Hartman transferred to Notre Dame, Grayson McCall, Kyle McCord is Ohio State's new quarterback, um, JJ McCarthy, Jackson Dart, and of course, Cade McNamara, if he goes out this year, which he probably won't because I'd try to stick around in Iowa's offenses for as long as possible. If I was looking at the top five quarterbacks in this draft class for me, number one's Caleb Williams. I don't really think there's a I don't know. I would. I think Caleb Williams is as locked to be a number one pick overall as we've had in a while. I don't think uh, – I shouldn't say that. Discounting Trevor Lawrence, I think Caleb Williams will be the number one overall pick in the draft. I think Drake May second. Uh, Drake May is a very big North Carolina kid. His entire family, I think, apart from his brother, one of his brothers gone to Florida, or gone to North Carolina. I think his one brother went to Florida. Luke May obviously played basketball in North Carolina, but Drake May is just really, really good. Drake May's a really, really talented quarterback. You saw that on display in the game against Oregon. He kind of got erratic at times against Oregon, but for the most part looked very solid. But he games against Pitt. It's 388 yards, five touchdowns in that game. And the thing again with Drake May as well is that he's not just a passer. He's an elite runner as well. He finished with 698 yards rushing this season with 4-3-2-1 rushing passing yards this season, 38 touchdowns, seven picks. You look at his first two games against FMAU, Florida A&M, and Appalachian State, seven touchdowns. Or nine, seven, nine touchdowns, I can count. But you look at games against Notre Dame, five touchdowns, no picks. Pitt, five touchdowns, no picks. Wake Forest, three touchdowns, no picks, with 448 yards passing, a season high for Drake May. On the road as well against against Wake Forest. Like, Drake May was putting on a freaking show for a lot of this season. For a lot of this season. He struggled against Clemson in the ACC Championship game, but everybody was kind of expecting that Clemson would win because North Carolina's lack of a defense. But in regards to him versus Williams, Williams is just crazy. Caleb Williams is just a crazy quarterback to watch. Like 42 touchdowns which led the nation this year with only five interceptions this year. In the game against Tulane, he completed over 70% of his passes with 462 yards and five touchdowns. And they lost. They lost. We're not even talking about the game against Utah where he had three touchdowns with 365 yards and 21 yards on the ground as well. In a loss. Like, it's just unfortunate that his teams have come on the wrong side of this. So the first time they played Utah, 381 yards, five touchdowns. You look at the stretch against Utah, Arizona, and Cal, he had 14 touchdowns, no picks. <laughs> 14 touchdowns, no picks. And the first game against Utah was on the road. So against Utah, in two losses, Caleb Williams had eight touchdowns, one interception. While completing around, what, 65% of his passes, combined 63% of his passes, whatever. Like, dude is a baller. And people want to get upset about, oh, he painted F.U. On, on his fingernails for Utah. Oh, my God. I don't care. I don't care. The game against Notre Dame, we talked about this on the show when we were talking about Heisman Trophy candidates. That game against Notre Dame was his Heisman moment. He was awesome against Notre Dame. Four total touchdowns, three on the ground. Like, he destroyed that game. Destroyed that game. How was that close? I don't know. But, yeah, Caleb Williams is a freaking baller. So, I would go Caleb Williams one, Drake May two. And then the third pick... 
in this quarterback class, this is where we get kind of interesting. So I I think those two are clearly the top. I think those two are clearly the top. If I wanted to be what do you call it? If I wanted to be like You know what? I'll I'll do it. We'll push Shadur Sanders at three. This one's gonna be interesting. It'll be very, very interesting because I don't know how good they're going to be this year in terms of Colorado. Because Colorado could be an actually decent team this year. They could be fairly decent. I'm not saying they're going to go out and win a national championship, but I think it's seven, eight wins is not out of the question for them. So I don't think – I know we've talked about this before, but Shadur Sanders and a Heisman cock talk, I kind of thought about this after we talked about it on the show. It's possible – but you look at the past however many Heisman Trophy winners, they've been on really, 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 really good teams. And if you ball out for a team that finishes with, let's just say, on a high nine wins, you're probably not going to win the Heisman. You could get invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony, which is even at itself a very small chance that happens. Just look at, again, the past however many Heisman Trophy winners. Maybe we'll have, we'll have to steal on that, but Duke can play. Duke can flat out play. Last year, he finished with a season-high in rushing yards. Career-high in rushing yards, I guess I should say. With six rushing touchdowns there as well. He improved on his completion percentage, his yards, his touchdowns, and interceptions. Every single thing Shadur Sanders did from his freshman season to his sophomore season bumped him up. And now we're going to see him in the Pac-12, which has been a really big quarterback-boosting conference last year. Like, you look at Bo Nix, who was left for dead at Auburn, and then he had, I think, just under 40 total touchdowns this season. Look at Michael Penix, whose career was done at Indiana, who threw about 500 yards last season in Indiana, maybe even less than that. And now we're talking about him being a potential first-round draft pick and being the best quarterback in the conference, or one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Like, the Pac-12, like Cameron Ward balled out this year for Washington State, transferring incarnate word. Drake DeLura, Jaden DeLura, sorry. Trained from Washington State to Arizona. Like, there were so many quarterbacks that came in and transferred around that conference. It was ridiculous. They almost had Dylan Gabriel before J- Tony Thomas Robinson said he was coming back. And Dylan Gabriel said he's going to Oklahoma, and now he's staying an extra year. So I'd put Shadur Sanders at three. I think I get – I know you get the things with Dion, but I don't really think that's the distracting part. I don't really think it's that big of a distraction, if that makes sense. Number three – or number four, sorry. I'm putting Bo Nix. Yeah, number four. I like Bo Nix. I, like I just said – Bo Nix was left for dead at Auburn. But Bo Nix this year played freaking awesome, even playing through injury. Playing through injury. He's been balling out this year. Like we were talking about him having 40 touchdowns this year, around 40 touchdowns. How many did he finish with? Quick math. Uh, 35 touchdowns. No, 40. Wait, what? 45 touchdowns. What? I can't even. Hold on. Quick math. 29 plus 14 equals 43. Okay, that's what. <laughs> 43 touchdowns this season, so even over 40. I think his ability in the rush game has helped him out a lot. He didn't run as much as the season went on because the game against Utah, he got hurt. So you look at the last three games of the season against Utah, Oregon State, and North Carolina, had a grand total of what? Negative two rushing yards in those three games. Negative two rushing yards. And he also had a grand total of 10 attempts rushing. In the game against Washington alone, he had 10 rushing attempts. So after he got hurt, he stopped running the ball. You could tell he wasn't healthy as the season went on, but I think a thing that was really impressive with him as well is how accurate he was. And it wasn't just a lot of dink and dunk passes. There were a lot of plays over the middle. There were a lot of tough passes that he made throughout the course of the season, and he looked really, really good. Like, even the game against Georgia, sure, not great. Two interceptions, (laughs) only 173 yards passing, not great. But then you look at games like Stanford, 
Ran four total touchdowns, 141 yards on the ground, 161 yards through the air. Games like Colorado, where he just didn't care. I think he had a passing, rushing, and receiving touchdown in that game. Game against Colorado, he had six total touchdowns in the game, though he had two interceptions in the game as well. Game against Washington, tough loss. Tough, tough loss. Tan on the wrong end of that one. UCLA, top 10 team in the country. Five touchdowns through the air. Like, Bo Nix balled out this year. And I, I think Bo Nix should be considered the fourth quarterback in the draft class. The number five, uh, probably Spencer Rattler. Off pure talent, there's not a lot of quarterbacks better than Spencer Rattler. Off pure talent. It's just a problem. He's a little bit of a cockass. That's a little bit of the issue we've got dealing on with Spencer Rattler. And we'll see how he does this year. It seems like he's been humbled a little bit this year. But then he had that ball-out game, last game of the regular season. Or not last game of the regular season, but the game against t- Tennessee. That's where it kind of started bringing up again. Because Spencer Rattler really was not playing that great this year until that Tennessee game. He had six passing touchdowns in that game. He had a good game against Vanderbilt, but unless you're Florida or Kentucky for whatever reason, you have good games against Florida. Or against um, against Vanderbilt, sorry. But I think Rattler, I think in regards to just pure arm talent, is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Like I think in regards to ability to make off-platform throws, ability to contort his body to make throws on the field, I think he compares to Mahomes. In regards to just ability, not I'm not saying... Some people get this twisted around. I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes or is as good as Patrick Mahomes was at Texas Tech. He's got the talent to be as good as Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see if that actually correlates this year, but I think he'd come in at number five. Number four or number six, if we're, let's just go to top ten. Number six, uh, I'm going to go Michael Penix. I think Penix, again, like, uh, like we talked about with uh, Bo Nix, some of the throws he made this year were really impressive. Really impressive. Now, he is losing his number one wide receiver in Roman Dunesday. A Dunesy, sorry. So, we'll see how he controls, uh, connects himself after that, but he played really well this year. Played really, really well this year. Was a top 10 quarterback in our, in our quarterback range for a lot of this season. So, I like him. I like him. He's even showed, flashed some receiving abilities as well. The game against Washington State, I believe, was the game he got. <laughs> I think they classified that as a rushing touchdown, but he caught the ball. So, I, I'm classifying that as a, run, a, run, a receiving touchdown. Next one. On the list, um, let's go Quinn Ewers. Let's go Quinn Ewers. I think Quinn Ewers is very talented. You know what? I might move him above Penix. I might. I think just off natural ability, maybe this is the same thing to Rattler. Just off natural ability, I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks that are as talented as Quinn Ewers. His throwing motion's wonky as hell, but he's uber talented. He's uber, uber talented. You saw him flat after he got hurt against Alabama. And you saw him in the bowl game against Washington, where he played well against Washington. I don't remember what his exact numbers were. I'm trying to pull up the game now. Where's that? Yeah, 369 yards passing and a touchdown. He hasn't run the ball particularly well, but we'll see how he does next year, his second year in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, especially with the full season with him being healthy. And that'll be big. He balled out against Oklahoma, one of the most embarrassing games for Oklahoma ever. He was playing well against Alabama before he got hurt. And so I, I think if he... Continues on this trajectory, I think he could be a top pick in the draft. Not the top pick. Again, I think it's between Williams and May, and I think Williams is by himself right now. But I think he could be in the top three. I think he'd be in the top three. So I'll move him to six and Penix at at, uh, at seven. And then at number eight, uh, off. Okay, I would like. I would. <laughs> I implore you. Uh, do I want to put him there? Okay, yeah, I'm gonna implore you. I'm gonna implore you to have faith with me on this one. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke. At number eight for Miami. 
I like Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. I don't like him talking about <laughs> how Miami got no home atmosphere because it's like we talked about with Justin Fields. It doesn't matter if it's true. As the quarterback of the university, you cannot say that. You cannot say that. And this year he battled a lot of injuries, played not great this year, but I think off pure talent, again, he's got a very – he's a bigger dude. So compare him to, like, Rattler and Ewers. He's bigger than both those guys. He's a thicker dude. Him and Levis come in a very similar-ish body size. Like, they're not, like – monsters out there, but he's six foot four, 200, damn near 230 pounds. So he's a big dude. He's not like the greatest mover, but can move when they're required to. He battled some injuries this year, threw the ball a shit ton this year. Like you look at some of the, and he didn't play a lot. He didn't play a lot this year because he battled again, a lot of injuries, but against Virginia Tech, 46 passes, North Carolina, 57 passes, Texas A&M, 41 passes. Their offense this year though, was so monotonous. Like it was not fun to watch. So I'm hoping and praying that he is better this year than he was last year or his past season because he's got the talent to be very, very good. But it's just a matter of can this offense actually live up to expectations because they were actually supposed to be really good or at least decent this year. They were. You throw the ball 41 times, I expect you to have more than 217 yards. Like that's what Tets should tell you about how weird Miami's offense was. They ran the ball well at times, but that – it was weird. Like, even against Bethune-Cookman and Central uh, Southern Miss, they, he did not play good in those games. Bethune-Cookman and Southern Miss, I just need him folk, I, I want. He's very talented, so I just want to see him do well. Uh, number nine, Jane Daniels. Uh, very athletic. I think that's the main thing on here. I don't think he's consistent enough as a passer at this point in time. He does the short stuff really well, and he's very athletic. He's not very big, which is another issue. He's very skinny. Like, very, very skinny. 6'3", 200 pounds, I think that's generous. I think 6'3", is about right, but generously, <laughs> generously, 200 pounds. I He looks about 175 soaking wet. But he played well this season. I think he was more consistent as a passer this year than he was his last season at Arizona State, which was one of the big issues at Arizona State. And you saw it early on this year where he looked, he looked better at times. The problem is he holds on to the ball a while. And he looks to run first more often than looks to throw first. And I think you saw him progress as that, as a passer, as the season went on. Which is what, what you want to see more out of Jaden Daniels this year. And the running the ball, again, there's no issues with him running the ball. He's a very talented runner, a very capable runner. But it's just a matter, can he stick it all together in the pass game? And then the last one, we go K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson is physically one of the best quarterbacks in this class. Just on physical tools. But something just tells me he's going to move to tight end or something. Because you look at the past however many, like the past couple Arkansas quarterbacks or a couple Arkansas quarterbacks, look at Felipe Franks and A.J. Derby are tight ends. A.J. Derby was on the Broncos. Felipe Franks was on the Falcons. I don't know if he still is or not. But you look at those guys, quarterbacks moved to tight end. Now, A.J. Derby moved to tight end in college. But, you know, it's <laughs> it just seems to be a theme here. He's got an absolute rocket arm. We'll just see if Sam Pittman allows him to use said rocket arm. He runs the ball more often than not, but Arkansas is a very run-first oriented team. Like, no doubt. They're run-first all the freaking time. A lot of motions now. Blake Hornsby's gone. Guy they would bring in on a lot of motions. And KJ Jefferson battled some injuries this year. Got a concussion earlier on, midway through the season this year, so we'll see if he can stay healthy this year. If he stays healthy and you see more performances like what he had against Kansas, then we'll see him be pushed up this, pushed up the draft board. Like you look at the first few games of the season. He didn't really throw the ball like a lot. They didn't. They didn't unleash him a lot. A lot of the throws he made were a little bit down the field because Arkansas sucks the defense in, and once they're sucked in enough, they run a play action play, and then they just hit you over top. 
But it's nothing like him showing off anything. I want him to show off a little bit. So I think KJ Jefferson could show off. I really think he could. So there was my top 10. Reminder of the top 10. It read Williams, May, Sanders, Knicks, Rattler, Ewers, Penix, Van Dyke, Daniels, Jefferson. I think that's what we're looking at here. I think that's my top 10. And there's other, again, there's other quarterbacks you could mention here, but I think that's my top 10. Someone that could sneak into the top 10 that was not mentioned in here, Michael Pratt from Tulane, I think could definitely sneak into here. Grace McCall could definitely sneak in here. Cade McNamara, again, because he's going to have a Heisman Trophy candidate here. Because remember, Joe Burrow transferred to a school that, you know, quarterback graveyard, that's Iowa. So, hey, Heisman Trophy candidacy on the freaking way. Now, with that all out of the way, we've kind of recovered the NFL draft stuff. Oh, we got what should I saw this the other day? Should the Texans take a QB with number two overall pick? Maybe not. Uh, yeah, I think they're taking a QB first overall. I understand what I didn't click on the link, but I know what they're talking about because I've heard Sean Payton talk about it. Where the Texans take an edge rusher or Jalen Carter, like Will Anderson or Carter, take a receiver at the second pick, and then take Caleb Williams next year. That's what Sean Payton said they should do. So I am assuming that's what the link said. But I would just take I like Bryce Young. I would take I would take Bryce Young. Let's say this: They do do that route, go that route, and take Anderson and then a tackle or a receiver the next pick. That would screw up the entire draft. That would screw up the entire draft that <laughs> if that took place. Now, with the Texans, they obviously did not make the playoffs, but uh, some other teams did, and a team in their division did. And that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. The first playoff game we have, or no, never mind, never mind, never mind. First, second playoff game we have is Chargers Jaguars. First playoff game we have is Niners Seahawks. And Kevin, as we brought, he's been on the show before, is a Seahawks slash Raiders fan. Derek Carr penned a letter to Raiders fans, basically saying he's gone. Saying he's leaving Vegas. He's no longer going to be the quarterback of the Vegas Raiders, which was kind of obvious going into this offseason. We don't know where he's going to go. I predicted the commanders, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. But Seahawks-Niners, interesting game. They've already played twice this year, once against Brock Purdy. The first time was a mixture of Lance and Garoppolo. So they played all three of the Niners quarterbacks this year because Lance broke his ankle against the Seahawks. Purdy played really well against the Seahawks in Seattle. Got away with a couple interceptions that should have definitely been caught by the defenders. Weren't, which was the benefit of him and the Seattle Seahawks. But they ended up coming away with a win. He looked very good coming on the road. Second ever start in the NFL. His first one came against Tom Brady. Second one in Seattle. Tough-ass place to play. And this game, going back to San Francisco, getting Debo Samuel back in the team, I don't really see a world where the Niners lose this game. I could be completely wrong, but I think with how the Niners are playing, I have a hard time believing the Seahawks are going to beat them this week. Maybe the Seahawks shock people. Maybe they come out all guns blazing and just absolutely torch the San Francisco 49ers, but I just don't see that happening with how good the Niners' defense has been this year, with the Niners getting one of their top offensive weapons back. I Again, I just have a hard time. Do I think they'll cover 10? I think it'll be close. I think it'd be close. I could see them winning by nine. I could see them possibly winning by two touchdowns. Like it's, I think the Niners will win comfortably. I don't really think, and I think the only way the Seahawks make this that spread is if they score like a last second touchdown or something. I like just make it somewhat interesting. They like score with like five, ten seconds left in the game, and then like they're losing like thirty-five to twenty-four, and then they score a touchdown, and then cover the spread, and then try to get an onside kick, don't get it, and then you know Niners kneel it out. So I got the Niners winning that one. They've got Chargers-Jaguars. This one's interesting because the Jaguars, how neither one of these teams played particularly well the last week of the regular season, more so the Chargers and the Jaguars because the Chargers lost to the freaking Broncos. And I think the Chargers losing to the Broncos 
kind of moved how people are going to be viewing this game for I think a lot of people going in were expecting the Chargers to win and I'm included in that and I think the Chargers still will win but I'm less confident saying that right now than I would have been like a week ago so if I didn't watch the Chargers Broncos game which the Chargers tried to make a game late it was kind of a similar situation we're talking about the Niners and Seahawks Russell Wilson played really well in that game too but the Jaguars played bad or not great against a bad Titans team how the Titans managed to get seven wins this year, I have no freaking idea. Like, that team is not very good. They have no receivers, or they, they do have some receivers, they just don't know how to use them. They're so one-dimensional, it's ridiculous. Their O-line stinks. They were playing Josh Dobbs, a six-year NFL journeyman who had never made a start before two weeks ago because the Dallas Cowboys. And then you have the worst passing defense in the NFL, or one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL. And it took them a while to finally get going in that game the Jaguars. 20-16 at home, they shouldn't have really had a lot of issues with the Titans, especially since they killed them earlier in the season. And they beat them by 14 points a few weeks earlier in Tennessee. So now with Josh Dobbs and an injury-plagued Titans team, I wouldn't have think you'd have that many issues with it. But I think the Chargers... No, I will say this. These are two very... I shouldn't say very, but they're pretty similar-ish teams. They both got young quarterbacks. They got both got very multidimensional running backs. The Chargers receivers are better. The O-lines are fairly similar. But the Chargers defense, I like their defense a little bit more. Other defense a little bit more. We'll see if they can actually like be a unit this week. But I think the Chargers should win that game. Chargers are one and a half point favorite right now. The Jaguars are 60% chance to win according to ESPN. But I'm going with the Chargers. Then on Sunday, we got Bills Dolphins. With Skylar Thompson, they've ruled Tua out of the game which is not very surprising. I mean, he hasn't been talked about all week. They haven't said anything about his clearing anything. So I have to wait and see it. Well, we, when I, I was going to say we we're going to wait and see on that. No, we're not because Skylar Thompson's playing. So we'll we'll see how the Bills handle that. I don't really think they should have any issues. They're 13-point favorites. They were 9.5-point favorites on Wednesday or on Tuesday when we record the show. Now they're 13-point favorites. I, the Bills really should not have any issues dominating this game. There should be no problems here. The Dolphins are squeaking into the playoffs, beating the t- freaking Jets 11-6. to So it's all on field goals, and they're a freak safety at the end of the game to almost have the perfect score. They won that game. They lost their past four, last five games, and their past six games are one out of their last five. And now they don't have Tua playing. And they don't even have Teddy Bridgewater playing. Like, the Bills, really, I understand that Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell are ballers, they should have no issues in this game. Weather can't even really be an option here. Now, the Bills got a nice little boost that Micah Hyde's back. I don't know if he's going to play this game or he's activated off IR. I don't know if he's going to play this game. He's practicing. He's got a red non-contact jersey on, so we'll see. But the Bills, again, should have no issues with this game. No issues. Knock on wood, of course, but they should have no issues. Next one, we got Giants-Vikings. The Vikings should win this game. The Vikings should win this game. I think it'll be really tough. I think it'll be a really tough game, though. I think this one could be settled by a last-second field goal by Greg Joseph. Like, you look at these teams and how Brian Dable's got this team cooking. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. Like, the Giants can do a really good job at keeping the ball to the Vikings' hands by just handing the ball to Saquon Barkley. The Vi- the, Cow- Jeez, the Giants are not going to beat you with anything really over top. They're not going to do that. They're going to run a lot of checkdowns. Daniel Jones runs and Saquon Barkley runs. And it's going to be monotonous. I would bet 
that the, Vi- the Giants control the time of possession. I would bet. I could see a reality where the Vikings lose this game, but I'm going to stick with Minnesota winning this one. I'm not confident in that. I'm not confident in that any stretch of the imagination because I can see the Vikings absolutely pulling out a stinker in this game. Like the Vikings have a minus three point differential right now. And they only beat the Giants by three points a couple weeks ago. Wait, but that was the, the great Joseph 61-yard field goal, right? Oh, so yeah, I think it'll be probably the same thing again. But with the Vikings beating the Giants, it's hard to beat the same team twice in one year, as the old saying goes. It's hard to beat the same team twice. So maybe the Giants will correct things. Maybe the Vikings will be overconfident because they're at home. I don't know. If I had to predict a first-round upset, like one that I'm – like the Chargers, I don't really consider that an upset. I don't consider the Chargers – though they're the lower seed, I don't think that's an upset. I think that would be an upset. If I'm predicting an upset, it's that one. One of them. So we're gonna, we might get to another one later. Uh, Ravens, Bengals, I don't think the Bengals will struggle in this one. Lamar Jackson has been – there's been no timetable in Lamar's health. He's got a – he hurt, sprained his PCL a couple weeks ago. The, it doesn't sound like he's playing. So it looks like the Ravens are going in with Anthony Brown. The the Bengals hell have no issues here. The, if the Bengals and Bills struggle this weekend, I'll be shocked. I'll be absolutely shocked if those two teams struggle. Bengals are nine and a half point favorites. And then Cowboys Bucks. This one's interesting because this one is well, I guess the Giants one's the only real upset. Cowboys versus Bucks is interesting because Tom Brady's never lost to the Bucks. Or not never lost to the Cowboys. I think he's seven and oh, eight and oh against the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are not coming into the playoffs with uh the best the best scenario. Losing by 20 points to the Washington Commanders. The already eliminated Washington Commanders playing a fifth-round rookie quarterback in his first ever start. I would say in Washington, like, that's a big deal, but it's really not. I'm pretty sure the Cowboys fans outnumber the Commanders fans 20-1 to 1 in that game. I, I didn't watch it, but I would be, I'd be surprised that wasn't the case. But the Bucks, they're 8-9. And, and they're also not coming into the playoffs under the best circumstances, losing the freaking Falcons. So I don't know. Just for jokes, I would love to say the the, Cow- the Buccaneers win because I'm watching the game at Zach's place, and Zach's a big Cowboys fan. So I would love to say the Bucs are going to win, but I think the Cowboys will probably win. So if I had to make my playoff predictions for this round, we're just going to go round by round. I don't really want to do a full playoff prediction at this point. But uh, round by round, I got the Niners beating the Seahawks. I got the Chargers beating the Jaguars. I got the Bills beating the Dolphins. Skip the Vikings game. Raven, Bengals beating the Ravens and Cowboys beating the Bucks. I'm, I'm like 50-50 Giants Vikings. So I, that's gonna be one of those pick 'em games for me. I can't say who I think is gonna win that one. I think it'll be a lot closer. The more the closer I get to the game, the more I'm like, oh, I think the Giants might actually win this game. Like last week, or on Monday, I would have said, yeah, the Vikings got it. I don't think the Vikings really. And I've talked to Jared about this, and he's kind of the same mindset I am, or I'm more of the same mindset as he is because he's the Vikings fan, but. The Vikings might win this round and then lose in the next round. I don't think the Vikings make it to the NFC Championship game. I think we're bound to see the Niners-Eagles in the NFC Championship game. That's what I think. If I had to make a prediction, I think it'll be Niners-Eagles-Bills-Bengals, or Bills-Chiefs in the NFC Championship game. If I had to make a prediction now, but I don't want to, knock on wood, of course. Now, with that Bills-Chiefs game being on a neutral site, they did reveal the location of the AFC Championship game if Bills-Chiefs becomes a thing, and it's in Atlanta. So... I'm cool with that. I thought it would be Indianapolis. That was my first inkling of what would happen. Vegas was the next spot I was thinking of. Detroit was obviously one there. But Atlanta. Atlanta was not even on my radar. Houston was the south stadium I was going to pick. That was my south stadium was Houston. But 
you know, Atlanta, cool stadium. Bills, Chiefs, should be fun. It's about equidistant from both places. So, yeah, I'm cool with Atlanta being that one, being the stadium for that game. But, yeah, it's I'm scared. I am scared. Though I just said the Bills shouldn't have any problems, I am nervous. I am nervous because it's the Bills-Dolphins. It's rivalry game, playoffs. Dolphins are going in expecting to lose. Like, I guarantee, like, unlike Georgia, the Dolphins are expected to lose this game. So the pressure is on the Bills. So they could go in there and go, hey, no one expects us to win. Let's go out there and win. Like, Georgia's, like, weird-ass mindset of everybody thought we were going 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five, which no one did. But, I mean, I want to, again, I want to shake the hand of the person that said that, but I don't think that was the case. I don't think anybody ever said that. But, yeah, that's all I've got for you today. At least I think that's all I've got for you today, if there's anything. Yeah, again, Derek Carr, probably not coming back to Vegas. Doesn't sound like that. Um, yeah. So I think that's all we've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I sincerely apologize. I sincerely apologize for uh, if you did not enjoy it. But make sure, again, to leave a rating out of five stars. It could be a one-star rating or a five-star rating, but if it's either, just leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. And, uh, yeah, just a reminder, Josh Allen's thrown less interceptions than Burrow and Mahomes in the past four weeks, or last seven weeks. But everybody says Josh Allen is in a, a turnover problem. That's okay. But you know what? We're going to see you all later. Hope you enjoyed the show again. Please enjoy it. And we'll have a good week. And I don't know if we'll have a show on Monday because I'm going to Grinnell on Sunday. So I don't know if we'll have a show or not. So I'll have to wait and see. But if I'm not here on Sunday or on Monday's show, hope the Bills won. Hope all your teams won as well. If I'm here on Sunday, we might be in a bitter mood depending on what happens. So we'll see you guys later. Enjoy your weekend. Peace.